a Bahamian priest related the following story. A two-story house had caught on fire. The family, father, mother, several children were on their way out when the smallest boy became terrified, tore away from his mother and ran back upstairs. Suddenly, he appeared at the smoke-filled window, crying like crazy, but the flames were coming out the front door, and there was no way for the father to go back in and rescue him. But his father shouted up to him at the window, Jump, son, jump. I'll catch you. The boy cried, But daddy, I can't see you. I know, his father called. I know, but I can see you. Such is the faith of Abraham in God that we read about in both our Old Testament Genesis passage and in Paul's epistle to the Romans. Abraham has not seen God And yet he trusts him implicitly. This faith of Abraham is not a static thing. It's not a general religious attitude to life. It's an active and personal trust in God, in God's character and in his promises and in his love. Abraham trusts God. The gospel story of Peter's reaction, however, stands in stark contrast to this active personal trust. And these two responses stand as challenges to us as we continue our Lenten journey. Earlier in the Genesis narrative, we find God calling Abraham, then 75, to leave his home and to go to the land I will show you. And Abraham went as the Lord told him. Abraham was wealthy for that time. He had cattle, he had sheep, he had servants, he had a large coterie, a large household. Um, and yet, God didn't say, I'm going to send you to this place. He said, I will show you the land. And and Abraham trusted God both for the journey and for the destination. And he went. And now, 24 years later, at age 99, almost 100, the same age as the great evangelist Billy Graham, when he died. So bring to mind, if you will, those pictures that you have seen of Billy Graham in his latter years. Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah, his wife, is only nine years younger and has been barren all of these years. And God comes to Abraham and says, makes him another promise. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. You will be the ancestor of many nations. 
All of those long, long years of barrenness, of yearning for a child, Sarah is going to be blessed. For he says, moreover, he would give Abraham a son by her, and kings of peoples would come from her. God's promise, in effect, is to bring life out of a body that was dead or close to death. As Paul says to the Romans, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what God had promised he would do. And it was this steadfast, immovable, resolute, unfaltering, enduring, unwavering, unyielding, relentless trust that was reckoned to him as righteousness. According to Paul, the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. But it was this faith at this point in his journey that Peter sadly lacked. They were on the road to Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus had asked, who do people say that I am? And then he asked, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter, it was Peter who pronounced, you are the Messiah. There was an acknowledgement in him that indeed he was the long-awaited Messiah. And immediately after that, Jesus tells them, begins to teach them that he must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and killed, and after three days, rise again. But Peter does not respond to this teaching in trust at all. He could only see from a human point of view, and from a human point of view, a suffering, betrayed, humiliated, murdered Messiah made no sense whatsoever. And so instead of looking with the eyes of faith, he was blinded by human sight, just looking at things from a human point of view, and Jesus confronts him with that truth. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And so for us during Lent, the question is, are we Abraham or Peter at Caesarea Philippi? Will we have the faith of Abraham, who is our father in faith? For through Christ, we are all sons and daughters of Abraham. Paul writes to the Galatians, if you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed. You are the fulfillment of that promise that God made to Abraham and Sarah, that he would be the father of many nations and that she would bear a son. We are those inheritors, heirs according to the promise. Will we have the faith of Abraham? Or like Peter, will we look first with human understanding rather than with our spiritual eyes? God had promised life to Abraham through a son, although he was as good as dead. God brought new life out of death on the third day when his beloved son, Jesus, did indeed rise from the dead as he had promised Peter. And from then on, Peter's faith was as rock solid as Abraham's, never to be moved. See, if God can bring life out of death for love of us, there is nothing that he cannot or would not do for the sake of that love. There is nothing he cannot or would not do for the sake of that love. In his book, Ruthless Trust, Brennan Manning wrote this, the splendor of a human heart which trusts that it is loved by God gives God more pleasure than Westminster Cathedral, the Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Van Gogh's Sunflowers, the sight of 10,000 butterflies in flight, or the scent of a million orchids in bloom. Trust is our gift back to God, and he finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for love of it. When we trust that we are loved by God, then we can trust God for all things. We can be a people who set our minds on divine things and not on human things. May we be the true sons and daughters of Abraham, whose trust was reckoned to him as righteousness. Amen.